Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season three episode of the show titled The Faithful. But before we do that, we need to get to the news. This week, the CW released our first look at Odette Annable in her rain costume. So, Morgan, what what are your thoughts on on seeing this image? It's pretty cool. Uh, I'm not, I don't know how I feel about the mask uh, exactly, but I really like the costume. I think it's cool. I mean, it's very dark, but I guess like she's a, I guess Rain is going to be a dark character, so it kind of works. Yeah, I I'm conflicted because Rain in her comic book form is a tough costume to pull off probably in live action. Her costume is very revealing and it's it's just it's something that would not be great on screen. But my my issue that I I grapple with with this costume is that if you put this picture in front of me and I had no idea who Odette was playing, I would never guess it was Rain. She looks virtually nothing like the comic book ca- counterpart. But I will say this, the uh she does retain the uh the thing on her right shoulder that like part of the armor that goes over the shoulder um that is there from the comic book counterpart and i I guess you could sort of say that the hair the way that her hair is sort of uh i don't i don't know what to say tied but kind of the way her hair is fixed it sort of is like the braid that that rain has and i feel like the belt kind of makes it look like her pants kind of makes it look like the comic book version of the pants like a little bit like just the way it kind of dips down yeah so i mean some of the elements are there but i don't know it's, it's a simple thing it's like I kind of just want the costume to be a little greener. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's so it's so dark. That was kind of when I first quickly glanced through this document and saw the picture. I was like, why is there a picture of Black Siren in here? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, no, that's not that's not because she kind of almost even as this picture kind of has like she looks a little bit like Kitty Cassidy and like the Black Siren outfit a little bit. Um, yeah, uh, the, the mask is different. Rain doesn't really have a mask like that in the comics. And she does have sort of an S-shield uh, Kryptonian glyph on her costume. And I, I'm not exactly sure where the symbol comes from, but it sort of reminds me in the New 52 Last Daughter of Krypton trade paperback 
when they have the panels of the world killer sort of being born in the in the gooey tubes it sort of looks like that but that's that's probably a stretch for me so i don't know if that's relating to the world killers as as some sort of world killer symbol but yeah it's it's tough i i i i think for me i would probably be a little happier with the costume if she just uh was a little greener but maybe maybe this maybe it's not black maybe it's like a dark forest green Maybe, like, you can't see it really well in this picture. It looks pretty black. <laughs> and, yeah, well, see, I'm, I'm trying to... I'm trying to you're, it, you're trying I'm to try- give them, the like, the benefit of the doubt. You're like, no, wait, maybe. Yeah, so, I mean, she looks great. I mean, the costume looks great. Yeah. It's not revealing. You know, it, it, it looks good. She has a great stance in the picture. Um, she definitely looks like a villain. But, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little conflicted because it doesn't look like Rain. So uh, I'll just have to go with it, and may- maybe they'll explain where this this costume comes from. You know why she has a cape, why she has an S, you know, glyph. Um, although Rain does have a, a cape in the comic book form, I think it's just a little. Uh, I think it's white. I think her cape is white in the comic book uh, version. So yeah, I- I'm gonna need explanations on where she gets this <laughs> because I don't I don't think they're gonna have it like in her L Corp office. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see where this costume comes from. You don't. You don't know. We haven't been in like all of her drawers yet. That's true. She could have a secret closet in that office. Secret closet. She just opens it up. It's just all outfits. Like she takes out the the the, the blackest one. She's like, this one feels right. Yeah, and she has like twenty of them <laughs> in all different colors. Yes, maybe she's got a green one in there. Maybe. So uh, yeah. So we did get uh, our our first look at Odette's version of Rain. So uh, I think that we, since we've got a like a costume reveal, we could maybe be seeing her by the end of the year. I don't know when she's going to be showing up, but this is a good sign that maybe we'll see Rain sooner than later. Yeah, it seems like they're, they're building up to it. But in the meantime, let's get talking about uh, this episode we got this week on Supergirl called The Faithful. And here is the official description. Quote, Kara investigates a secretive new group whose leader, Thomas Coville, guest star Chad Lowe, has a mysterious connection to Supergirl. Meanwhile, Samantha feels like she's letting Ruby down. And Jean confesses an old secret, which I don't think happened in the episode. What? Uh, he definitely did not. <laughs> I just realized that uh, they must have cut something from the episode because that is in the description. Uh, so we must have missed something. Although we did get to see Jean very quickly with his father, uh, in the DEO at the very end of the episode. So there, there must have been another little storyline that we, uh, didn't end up seeing. Yeah. Something got moved, something got moved around, I think. My question is, have we ever seen Jean's, like, where he lives? No. Is he like Jimmy where it's possible he just lives in the DEO? Uh... I hope so. Because <laughs> I really, after, after my space dad, space granddad, like odd couple pitch last week, I was really looking forward to them like arguing over like who drank the last Snapple. And then when we, we finally get like a glimpse of space granddad, he's just in the DEO, it looks like, unless John lives in a, uh, <laughs> basically an industrial <laughs> underground bunker. 
which is also possible. It's possible. It is possible. Well, I don't know. They have. I think they have bunkers in the DEO. Like I, I think Monel stayed there a couple of nights or whatever before he he started sort of living with Kara. So they probably have rooms there. Maybe maybe he's just like, hey, I've got some room at the DEO if you want to stay here. But yeah, I don't know. We've never seen his apartment. So it is possible. I want to see his apartment. (laughs) I love that we're talking about this and they weren't even really in the episode. They were barely in the episode. And yet this is what lingered on for me. I was like, (laughs) I was like, does anybody besides Kara and Alex have places to live? Like, I feel, have we seen Wynn's place? Like, is it possible that they all just live in the DEO when we're not looking, except for James, who obviously lives in the Catco office and now is has been deplaced. <laughs> Where's is he homeless now? <laughs> like I think the reason for the friction I think the reason for the friction between him and Lena is he's like, you just took my home. <laughs> he can't sleep under the desk anymore. <laughs> James is homeless. Oh, he doesn't no, have his desk bed anymore. <laughs> what is he gonna do? Oh. James James might have to go and uh, move in with Jean and his dad. It's just gonna be everybody it's just gonna like pan over and it's gonna be like all of the male cast members of the show are just like in a bro pad in the deo (laughs) (laughs) it's like a deo man cave somewhere in there um that needs to be an episode i feel like we just pitched an episode that needs to happen just give them so many ideas just for free (laughs) free ideas guys okay well um so that's an episode coming up (laughs) (laughs) Watch out for that one. Set your DVRs. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, on, a, on a more serious note, let's talk about cults. <laughs> let's talk about cults. Let's just get in there and talk about cults. <laughs> <laughs> so, Morgan, what did you think about the, 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 the cult, the secret organization known as the Children of Rao that we were introduced to in this episode? So, so creepy. I just thought, yeah, all those like cult scenes were so creepy. And I've been listening to a lot of my favorite murder. So like the only thing I kept thinking, well, <laughs> thinking of was like, you're in a cult, call your dad. Uh, <laughs> it's like all these people are so obviously like, it's like taking a great thing and then turning it into such a creepy thing. Like they're all saved by Supergirl. And then they were like, what if we took this like new lease on life and we just like uh, burnt down a building? It was a weird, it was, it took a weird turn. I wasn't expecting. Yeah. They took it a little too far. It's one thing to be grateful for Supergirl saving your life and, and, and turning your life around. Like I think Thomas Coville I really sympathized with him and even empathized with him a little bit because I understand what it's like to have a period of your life where you're either down on your luck or you're you're struggling to find purpose and then you you find faith and you become a new person. Like that's a that's a real thing that happens to a lot of people. It's happened to me. So I, I think that that's that's a real genuine thing. But then when he turned it into something that was dangerous, that's a problem, I think. Um, and especially like you, you use the example of the fire uh, being, being, you know, the building being set on fire. And even the end of the episode where Thomas is like, hey, let's unleash this betahedron thing on a stadium full of thousands of people. That's going to be great. 
Uh, so I, I do think that there is a danger in that where you, you can take it a little too far and, and put other people at risk. Um, and it, it was a strange thing because they did that so that other people could, quote, be saved. Uh, so it was definitely um, a very uh, a borderline, I don't want to say crazy, but it, it, was, it was. It was a little... Um, it was just pushing it too far, I thought. He's like, he's like, he had a good thing, which is like, I'm going to turn my life around. Things are bad, but now I got saved and I've got a second chance. And instead of like doing something useful with his second chance, he was like, I'm going to start a cult and then we're going to blow some stuff up. Uh, it just seemed like he w- he just wanted to make more work for Supergirl because like all of his plans were just like, now we're going to get Supergirl to save a whole bunch more people. It's like, you know, she's got like a day job and like she gets <laughs> tired sometimes. She wants to take naps. Let her take a nap. Well, and the thing is, like you don't have to, in National City, you don't have to fabricate a disaster. It happens on a daily basis. Just wait for it. Something will happen. You should just wait. <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, so I don't... I mean, parasites go around. Livewire will probably show up at some point. You know, there's there's all sorts of craziness that will always end up happening. So you just, you just have to be patient. But I, I agree that Thomas Coville seemed like a guy who who could have used this second chance to do something good, but it seemed like he almost went back to his his old ways. Like, they, they talked about how he uh, was disbarred from practicing law for public drinking and disorderly conduct. So he had some bad things in his past that I think sort of trans transferred over into his, his new life. Uh, you know, he was kind of, not not a criminal, but he had had some some things on his record that that sort of, I don't know sort of led him down this other path so he he definitely did twist uh, the second chance into something very dangerous um what did you think about revisiting flight 237 from the pilot and and that whole sequence i actually really liked that actually when i was watching it and i realized that's what it was going to be like that was going to be when he's talking on the flight and he's kind of like just really bumming this his seatmate out like i've you i feel like we've all been on those flights where like oh you're talking to me oh you're just gonna keep talking to me (laughs) Uh, i felt really i felt the most bad for him his, his seatmate that was just like, oh boy, I, I got into a situation now. And then he was like, and, and now I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to die next to this weird guy. <laughs> but I thought that was so, it was really cool that it brought it back around to basically the beginning of the show where she saves the plane. And I liked later in the episode, she mentioned something where it's like, what am I supposed to tell him that like my sister was on that flight and that's why he got saved, which is kind of an interesting point. Cause that was her first save. And it was really, you know, it was kind of motivated by selfish motivations, which is that she just was looking to save Alex. Uh, and he just happened to be like, a he just happened to get lucky that her sister was on that flight. So I thought that that was interesting that that her wanting to save Alex has all these ripple effects and some of the ripple effects are good, obviously, but some of the ripple effects she can't kind of control like what people are going to do with the fact that she saves them. And I thought that that was interesting that we kind of dived into how Jimmy feels and um, about his relationship with Clark and even like his relationship with her. Uh, it's James. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's James, the grown man Olsen. How could I 
give him some respect. He puts respect on his name. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I think that is an interesting d- uh, dilemma for Kara that she has to see what her actions produce like the consequences of those actions and i thought it was a it was a cool bit of dialogue that she says i I can fight so many things but i don't know how to fight someone's belief so that that was something that was new for Kara to to deal with and i i agree with you i thought the flash flashback to the pilot and and using that as a way to get into this uh, introduction of why uh, why Thomas Coville will have would have started the the Children of Rao is because of his experience with that, and I thought it was really cool because like the whole time I'm watching the 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 plane sequence, I had I had two thoughts. One was I really want this plane to crash on a magical island with a smoke monster. <laughs> yes, that would be amazing. <laughs> Suddenly, it becomes a whole different kind of show, <laughs> a whole different show. I was really kind of hoping it would actually crash on a magical island, but uh, since it didn't. I was also uh, glad to see, because when I was watching, I was like, well, if this is that same, you know, plane, where is Alex? They need to show Alex because she's on this plane. And then she she stands up. And I was like, oh, continuity. There she is. I love that. That was so great. Yeah. So it was cool to see Alex's, uh, what, what Alex did after the plane was was let down and saved um, because we, di- we didn't see that previously. So I thought that was a bit of, uh, you know, uh, continuity and kind of, you know, expanding that sequence for us to see. So I thought that was really cool. And as always, Alex is just the coolest person on the earth because if I had just survived a plane crash and, and like basically just saw my sister like save a plane, I don't think I would be like, guys, it's okay. I'm the FBI. I would be huddled in a ball crying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Alex has been through some stuff. She's She's been through some training. She's pretty tough. She's a, li- a little bit tougher than me, just a bit. She knows a thing or two. So yeah, she, she was pretty cool about it. Cool under pressure. <laughs> and I, 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 I did uh, note that she used the FBI badge. So that that was a that was pretty funny. She she didn't uh, have the uh, transformation into the DEO badge, uh, so it was it was cool to see her on there. And um, I, I'm I'm curious as to what you think about like when Kara and James and Wen go to the Children of Rao meeting, and um, you know, and and Kara investigates what's going on. What what did what did you think about Kara's interaction with with Coville? Because she does have a few moments with him what how, how do you think she went about that you know what what do you think uh what do you think about how Kara handled it I thought it was really interesting like seeing her go up against him and she's just she's trying to talk sense to him and it's just nothing is getting through it's like you know clearly he's he's a cult leader this is not gonna go this you can't have a reasonable conversation where it's like hey could you stop burning down buildings it's not okay and he's like "Mm, no I'm gonna get more extreme if that's okay with you (laughs) because I believe in you and she's like if you believe in me could you uh I'm telling you no and he's like what I'm hearing is yes that's cool (laughs) I thought, but I I thought it was like so interesting because we always see whenever we see somebody get kind of close to Kara's secret identity, she's usually like, she's like, shut it down. No, that's not me. And at this point, she was just like, this guy, there's no talking to this guy. So I'm just going to lean all the way into this thing. Like, I am your God. Stop burning down buildings. And like, <laughs> that didn't even work. Uh, but I uh, I thought it was in, like you could see how mad she was getting, especially I really like the way that they worked in 
um, like her, the Kryptonian religion into this episode because you could see how offended she was that he was just like taking her, her religion really. And just kind of patchworking it into this weird cult where he knew just enough that it was like, she could recognize it as her religion, but, but it was not being used in the way that it should be. And so, so when she's trying to talk, like talk him down from doing all this crazy stuff that he's doing, she's also, you could see how angry she was. And I thought Melissa Benoist played that really well. She did. She did seem to be very, uh, upset about how things had gotten twisted because it did seem to to mean a lot to her. And I did like the the flashbacks where we see Allura and young Kara taking part in some sort of, I don't know, prayer, meditation, whatever that was. Um, and I, I thought it was fitting that the, the words were, you know, may, may Rao protect us so that we might protect others. Like, I thought that was really fitting for Supergirl, for Kara to, to say those things. Um, so I, I, I thought it was a really good look into Kara's background and Kara's faith and part of the Kryptonian culture. Like, I really like that as, uh, it, it, it was refreshing to me to see a character care so much about faith issues. And I really liked that Kara took her Kryptonian faith seriously. And she, she did get really defensive about it. I, I really thought it was interesting when she went to uh, approach Koval about it. And he, he was like, hey, I know who you are. I've, I've looked into the face of God. But I thought it was it was interesting that she she takes her glasses off like you said like she's she's not playing around about it anymore but she's sort of she's kind of forceful about it like she doesn't she's not shy in that in that scenario she gets kind of you know angry and sort of really takes her glasses off and of course glass anytime that Kara removes her glasses on the show it's it's a big emotional thing for her for for her to take off her secret identity to let her guard down that's a big thing for Kara and so I think in that moment she was just so frustrated and so angry with him and uh so I, I thought that was a, a different way to look at that uh analogy with the glasses that she she took off her secret identity but she she was doing it out of anger and frustration so I thought that was a a a cool way to go about that but yeah I I liked that she she was taking that seriously and that she was doing that when she was with him in a way to protect other people she did not want to see anybody else uh, be put in danger and I thought it was uh very interesting for Kara to be put in the situation where she goes to that meeting and she hears the testimony of this girl named olivia which i thought was i was like they need to stop naming characters olivia so many olivias <laughs> so many olivias in national city it must be a really popular name there by the end of the season she's going to go to a cult meeting it's just going to be all olivias <laughs> it's the cult of olivia <laughs> but i was personally very captivated by olivia's story where she talks about how she was at this party she had you know her boyfriend had just cheated on her and she went out on this ledge and she fell and uh that that was a huge life-changing experience for her and i i thought that that was something that it probably was weird for Kara to hear all of that stuff but i was glad that Kara heard that because i was glad that Kara could see that what she does makes a difference even if it creates a 
a, a strange cult. Even if sometimes there's like a little bit of a cult at the end of it. <laughs> I, I, was, I was glad that Supergirl could see the effect that she has on other people and how she, she saves people's lives. I think my favorite line of the whole episode was in that scene, right after Olivia speaks and, uh, and James turns, I think it's James that turns to her and is like, do you remember her? And Cara looks around the room and she goes, I remember them all. And I thought that because like it kind of you're you're sort of watching it and you're thinking like, oh, well, maybe Supergirl just kind of saved her and then like just moved on. And like, that's just one thing. She's just saving somebody from fall. But like that idea that she remembers every single person that she saved was like, I don't know. It was very like inspirational. Yeah, I think I think that's really cool because it, it, it means that Kara thinks that everyone's lives matters everyone is valuable in in her eyes and I, I think that's really really cool and it's very supergirl of her to say something like that um before we leave the cult part of this episode um what did you think about Kara going to see Coville in prison how, how do you how do you think that that uh resolved itself I thought that was interesting I thought I mean that that part at the end where she's like please don't tell anybody my secret identity. And he's like, I don't even really remember what your secret identity name was. I was like, mm, okay, <laughs> I'm not sure I would trust you, Chad Lowe, but <laughs> I guess we have to, well, it, it was, it was especially this epi- whole episode is especially funny for me because I, I love the show. I've mentioned, I've loved the show, pretty little liars. And he was like, probably the creepiest dad in a show full almost full entirely of creepy dads and he was the like the worst one so i was like oh byron doing it again starting your own cult this time (laughs) like (laughs) i should have expected it from you (laughs) so now now i I realize why he was cast in this role yeah he's he's been typecast No, I'm sure he's lovely, but <laughs> but no, I I I I like that end part because one of the things I was like kind of the most surprised about I was mentioning in that scene earlier was when she takes off her glasses and she's just like, "Fine, you're right, it's me, Supergirl. Could you stop doing stupid stuff?" And uh, but like she took a big risk with that because he could have. Like, I don't know, he could have called up the media. He could have said, oh, I know exactly who Supergirl is. Or he could have told all of his crazy followers. Uh, She was taking, like, a a kind of a leap of faith with this guy who literally started a cult about her. Um, (laughs) Because I think that, like, the stuff that that he was talking about, Rao, was, was close enough to the truth that she kind of felt a little bit of a connection with him where it was like, okay, well you actually know a lot about my religion, even though, you know, it it doesn't say to burn down buildings or blow up stadiums. Um, So she kind of felt like this is maybe the only way that she could get through to him, but she was taking a big risk. So it was nice to see at the end that he was at least going to keep her secret for like for her but then he obviously kind of ruined that by getting like really weird and creepy and like pretending to know her life and i was like oh you should have just stopped at keeping her secret (laughs) (laughs) stop praying to her it's weird she said she doesn't like it (laughs) well the the thing that was weird about coville saying that he was going he was going to continue to pray to supergirl but also pray for her i was like how does that work what is she to you i i don't i don't understand how that works you know that she's like like you know she's an alien but also a person it 
I don't know the whole th- that he was really he he weirded me out. Yeah, it it was very strange. Uh, but I guess in his head that made sense. I, I don't know. But I think I think what I was drawn to in that scene is that even if his actions in the episode got a little more off the the beaten path <laughs> as the episode progressed, uh, he still was pretty perceptive when it came to reading her. He talks about how her eyes are clouded with doubt and loss and, and thinks she's at a crossroads. And he, he believes that his purpose is to guide Kara back to clarity and uh, a clarity of purpose, balance, and peace. And I thought that that was, uh, you know, that, that was Kara, you know, having someone in front of her tell her what, what her life is like right now. And I think she realized that he, he was right, that she, she's been dealing with this, this doubt about herself and this loss of Monel. And so I, I thought that probably really kind of shook her up a little bit, maybe to, to hear someone know her that well, even though he, he was a little off kilter, he seemed to be able to understand her like you were saying I, I don't know if that was because they had that shared connection of uh Rao and the Kryptonian faith but it, I, I thought that was really interesting that of all the crazy stuff he did and said he did read her correctly yeah I thought that was interesting too like that he kind of he kind of sensed that things were were different for her from when she saved him the first time, which is very true. I mean, a lot has happened. A lot has happened. <laughs> a lot has happened. <laughs> a lot of things have transpired. Um, before we leave this aspect of the episode, uh, I just wanted to put this out there because I was kind of wrestling with this idea because James, when James and Carr are talking, he says, you're something, uh, he's talking about um, how car is a miracle. And he says, you're something that we can see, something that we can touch. How are you not a miracle? And it, it's funny because I have been reading, um, there's an author named Eric Metaxas that I like a lot. And uh, he wrote a book about miracles. And so I've been sort of reading through it. And I'm so bad. I'm one of those readers who like, will start a book and then I'll start another book and I'll start another book and I'll have like 10 books. Oh, I can't, I can't do that. I get that. Just you saying it stresses me out so much. It is stressful. I can only do one book at a time. I have, I have been in the middle of books. I have legitimately hated. It's like too late for me though. I'm in it. I have to finish it. <laughs> yeah. I can't just put it down like a normal person would be able to. <laughs> it's so terrible. I'm, I'm reading like, a Lois, like a book about Lois Lane. I'm reading a book about Batman. I'm reading The Once and Future King. I'm reading The Case for Christ. I'm reading this Miracles book. Like I'm reading like 10 books at the same time. And it's just, it's awful. I don't know why. I don't know why I do that. Too many books. <laughs> Any, anyway, so I've been reading uh, a little bit of uh, out of Eric Metaxas' Miracles book. And I, th- I think it's really fascinating. And I, I encourage anybody who's interested in Miracles to read it because it's pretty cool. Um, I also tried to read C.S. Lewis's Miracles book one time and it it's one of those I have to read it and read it and read it and read it and read it. Oh, it's like reading the same sentence over and over again. It's very intense. Um, But one of the things that is pointed out in that book is that miracles are things that you know, they don't happen all the time. That's why they're a miracle. You know, there are things that they're they're things they're things well they're events 
that happen that are unexpected, that are unexplained by science or the natural world. Like, it's just, you can't comprehend it. And so that's what makes it a miracle. And it's usually like a a thing that happens out of a, a divine sort of revelation, that kind of thing. So when when James is talking about Kara or Supergirl as a miracle, I was I was <laughs> I was like that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because Supergirl flies around National City all the time. <laughs> Supergirl is like always around. She's like a daily occurrence. She's around so much that they made a cult out of all the people that she's saved. Yes. And the cult basically was relying on her always being around to save other people so that they could indoctrinate more people into the cult. Like, that was the whole premise of the cult. They counted on her because they knew she would come for them. So I was like, James, technically, I don't think she's a miracle because <laughs> it's not, you know, she she happens all the time. People know she's going to come for them. She, she even in the episode, like, explains how her powers work about how, you know, that her body absorbs radiation or whatever that is, that that's the reason that she has these powers. And she's not really a divine figure. So it's like, technically, if you're going by a definition about miracles, she's really not a miracle. And um, uh, I I just thought it was really cool because in in, uh, Eric Metaxas's Miracles book, he he references C.S. Lewis, who, who who did write this really, like, a uh, highly intelligent book about miracles that I'm I'm going to have to really dig into once I finish all of my other 10 books that I'm reading. Um, but, C- but C.S. Lewis once explained that a miracle is something unique that breaks a pattern so unexpected and established, we hardly consider the possibility that it could be broken. So I, I'm going to go by that definition of what a miracle is because I think that's, that's pretty spot on. Uh, so I, I just thought that was <laughs> funny because I was like, Meh. No, James. I mean, I think she saves people, and I think she's, you know, maybe an answer to prayer if you want to look at it that way. But a miracle? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. That's debatable. I might argue with you on that one, James. Uh, but it was a lovely sentiment. It would have been funny if, like, Carr just like whips out a dictionary and just begins. The dictionary definition of miracle is <laughs> technically. You're wrong about that. Technically, I don't want to get too in the weeds with you, James. <laughs> but and she just pulls out all ten of Rebecca's books. Oh, that would that would be awesome. I'd be like, hey. Kara's doing her investigative journalist research. There you go. I appreciate that. It's so funny. At at the beginning of this episode, I thought it was going to be an investigative journalist Kara episode where she was like going to embed herself in the cult and then, you know, like report back. But that's not exactly how it went. Okay, that's not how it went at all. But I feel like a snapper would have been down with that plan. Snapper would have been snapper. like, Snapper would have uh, assigned her to go undercover. Yes. But she does uh, introduce herself as a reporter for Catco Magazine to Thomas Coble. So she does drop that, uh, drop that in there. So she was sort of being a reporter. She just never wrote a story. Yeah, yeah. I thought that. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be like Cara going deep undercover, investigating. And then she was like whipped off her glasses. She's like, no, you stop it. And I was like, okay, well, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So close. So close. Could have been a contender. Uh, she, She did do some investigating, but it didn't seem to produce a story by the end of it. Although I was glad, like we talked about, I was glad to see that Cara 
followed up with him at the end of the episode. And she checked on him, made sure that the people in the prison were treating him well. So I, I did like that, even though she wasn't uh, actually writing a story because we we don't really get to see Kara blobbing anymore. But we, we can maybe assume that she wrote a story about this. But I, I was glad that she cared enough about him that she went to go check up on him and make sure everything was okay. I miss the blobs. She needs to blob more. Um, okay, so I think we've talked about the, the cult aspect of uh, this episode. So let's uh, get to Samantha and Ruby because they, they had some, some story time in this episode. So uh, what did you think about... Uh, what what Samantha and Ruby were going through in this one? I I liked the the Samantha and Ruby storyline. I thought it was good. Um, I still struggle to remember Samantha's name. Mm. I think because I always just mentally referred to her as Rain. Yes. Uh, so I'm just like, oh, Rain and her daughter. Oh, Rain, don't be sad. <laughs> and then they're like Sam, and I'm like, who is Sam? <laughs> It's not good. Uh, uh, my memory is terrible. But and I liked the uh, and I liked the the way that the Samantha and Ruby stuff dovetailed with the um, Alex and Maggie stuff. I thought that that was really well done. And and just it like the uh, Ruby being in her office and like doing her homework and like falling asleep on the couch reminded me a lot of like I would go into the office with my mom all the time when I was little and I would like bring all my toys and I would like do my homework and like sometimes if I was sick I would like fall asleep on the like the floor and like I'd, like her coworkers would just step over me like in my like little like My Little Pony <laughs> <laughs> sleeping bag so like it's, it's, like they she I felt like Samantha was like I'm a terrible mom and I was like I don't know man like I had the best time whenever I got to go to my mom's work I felt like very professional I would like you know pack up my toys and look a little briefcase like <laughs> I was like Ruby is probably having a time don't you worry <laughs> yeah I, I did think that that was really nice like seeing Samantha and Ruby even if Samantha felt guilty for prioritizing work over Ruby, I, I thought it was a nice little touch that, like, Ruby fell asleep on the couch and, you know, Samantha went over there to sort of tuck her in a little bit. Like, I, I liked that. And I liked the way that, like, Lena said, you know, you don't realize it, but she's learning a lot from you just by watching you. Yeah. Like, she sees that you're, you know, that you're respected and you're powerful and you're working hard and that's, like, teaching her, like, work ethic and teaching her that she can be, like, a boss someday. I thought that was really true. Yeah, and I like. Uh, I liked the bit about uh, Samantha being like, I'm the worst mother. And Lena was like, no, no, I know who the worst mother is. <laughs> that was amazing. That was like one of my favorite. Like that was my, maybe my, my laugh line of the episode where she was like, just hold on. <laughs> let's let's reevaluate. Let me tell you my life experience. It's like, I'm going to sit you down and tell you a story. <laughs> I'm going to paint you a picture of my mom. <laughs> so I, I did think that was nice that Lena gave her some encouragement about that. And and it and it led to a, a girls' night over at Carr's apartment. What did, what did you think about that? I liked the girls' night. I thought that was really fun. Uh, I just – I still kind of keep forgetting, like, how – how did oh oh because they bumped into each other in the office i was like how did ruby uh not ruby samantha i was thinking of rain and i, I just switched. <laughs> how did rain uh how did i was trying to remember how samantha got invited and it was that they were all they all bumped into each other at the office but i, lo I love the idea that like samantha got invited to like a like a 
a girls' night. Like, this is a thing that they do sometimes. And now I just want every episode to be girls' night where it's just Lena and Kara and Alex and Maggie just sipping some wine, just talking about some stuff. <laughs> you never know. They could work it in every episode. Just every episode. It's like just the end or the beginning of the episode is just girls' night. It's like it's like every every episode begins with girls' night. They should use that as the previously on. Like they all say the previously on. It's like Maggie's just chugging a giant bottle of wine. She just stops previously on Supergirl. <laughs> like they could all like be like, okay, this is what happened to us last week. Let me tell you. Do you remember last week when like you got involved in that really weird cult? Oh my God, <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> I, I think that these are all genius ideas. I think th- I think they could make that work. I think that would be a great way to go about it. Just freely available. We're just putting them out there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I liked the idea of the girls' night. I thought it was a good way to get those characters to be more involved together because I, it's probably important that Samantha is interacting with all of these people. And uh, so I, I I liked getting to see that it was a it was an all ladies scene and I, I thought that was really cool. But the one thing that sort of bothered me about it was that they had Lena, Lena makes this joke like she's telling this story about how she met this guy and he asked her if she was baptized and she talked about it like it was the craziest most hilarious thing in the world and I was like you know that's. Uh, important to some people like I I I sort of was uh, it was a little offensive to me I think this I think the story threw me off because the general tone of the story was I I bumped uh, like me and this guy went out we were gonna go up to his his room and like things were gonna happen and then he was like are you baptized which it just kind of seemed like kind of threw it off like really you need to to vet that before casual sex (laughs) yeah it was it was a strange story like i feel like i feel like you've got bigger problems than that then (laughs) it's like some parts of your life are not aligning in in ways that i would expect yeah it was it was a really strange story but i guess the one thing that sort of made it up to me at the end of that story, Lena says, you know, actually I found it kind of attractive that he believed in something. So even though I thought in, in some respects she was making fun of that, I think that she, by the end of the story that she was telling, she realized and sort of confessed that she respected what he believed or, or that he did believe in something. So I try not to get too offended by it, <laughs> get all get all outraged about it. Um, but yeah, so that that was interesting. At least they were uh, sort of at least revealing things to each other about their past, about things that were going on, like like real women do when they get together and and you know hang out. That that does happen. Yeah, it felt like it felt like real people having like a real conversation, which I liked because sometimes you watch those kind of scenes and you're like. Uh, I don't feel like anyone ever talks that way. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it seemed like uh, you know, if, if I was getting together with some of my friends, you know, and we were catching up on some things, I think it would be sort of like that. So I, it was it was good to see that. Um, and so we sort of mentioned it briefly, but Alex has a uh, not a realization because I think she's known this about herself for some time, but she finally vocalizes her feelings about her desire to have children and she she does that with Kara. Uh, what did you think about that scene? Oh, that scene made me so sad. Like the whole thing, I think 
was just sort of building gradually throughout the episode. Like it starts in that um, in that sort of girls' night scene where I think it's it's, it's Samantha that is her name. Uh, <laughs> that is her name. Uh, Samantha basically kind of puts her foot in her mouth because she says like, "Oh, you'll you'll understand when you guys have kids." And Maggie's like, "Oh, actually, we're not going to have kids." And you kind of see Cara look over like you're not like I kind of felt like Car was going I did I always thought my sister wanted kids kind of thing but going but kind of taking a step back like it's not my life and then later on like when Alex has sort of her breakdown and realizes like this thing that she's been trying to shove into a corner and not deal with is gonna be there whether or not she deals with it and it's only gonna get worse and I thought that was so like that the scene right after the the school play was so sad because you just you see her like basically coming to the realization like how is this ever gonna work like this is this is a big problem that there is no solution to if I want kids and she doesn't want kids like there's it doesn't matter how much we care about each other. We're seeing very different lives for ourselves in the future. And like how how does that work if our lives are together and like that scene at the end when the 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 TV's favorite sad song Hallelujah starts playing and like as soon as Hallelujah starts playing, I'm like, OK, that's it fine play with my emotions i'm i'm ready i have accepted it and like when she gets in bed with maggie oh and she looks over and she's so sad oh man that 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 hurt and hallelujah is playing did hallelujah have to be playing at that point it felt like it was just insulting to me i was like no no it's too much it's all too much (laughs) yeah uh it was, uh, it sort of reminded me of, there's an episode of 30 Rock where they talk at the end about how, like, TV show episodes will always end in a way oh, that, yes. uh, that, like, they just play <laughs> the... dramatic the, montage? <laughs> yes, they, like, they play the music just to, like, fit, like make you feel things, but it's not really actually doing anything. Yes. I really like that scene with Alex and Cara because I... I was really proud of Alex that she 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 finally realized like no this is what I want and I am not standing up for what I want and I I thought that that was really good for her that you know it's not fair I mean I don't think it's fair for Alex to compromise on what what she wants out of life just to make Maggie happy. That may may be an unpopular opinion. I don't know. I think it's one of those things where it's it's just it's one of the few things that is just uh, a, an issue that you can't get over because either way you might end up in a like a bad situation where like you resent the other person like like she was saying I, I might resent Maggie like if I don't have kids and this is a thing I really want it whereas like having kids is basically is a permanent decision like you can't be like actually I you know what I gave this kids thing a try I don't like them like send them back like you can't you've made that decision now you're you're in it now you're stuck and like so that's I don't know it's it's such a tough situation where I think neither of them are wrong for like what they want in life it's just possibly they should have had this conversation so much earlier than like halfway through planning a wedding (laughs) yeah it's uh maybe not the greatest timing in the world timing's not great admittedly not great (laughs) yeah but i'm i'm glad that she finally vocalized that because i think she'd been holding it in for a couple episodes and so this this was at least i i thought it was really sweet that alex talked about that with Kara. 
because I think she, Car is probably the only other person who can understand what, what Alex is telling her because Alex talks about how she wants a daughter that she can share all of the things that she uh, grew up with, you know, experiencing with her mother. And so Cara, you know, she spent some time with Eliza and grew up with Eliza. And so she understands what those things are. Although I was sort of questioning the continuity of the, the Alex Eliza relationship, because Alex had like mommy issues dating back to season one episode live wire. Oh yeah. They, they had issues between the two of them. I think may- maybe she was thinking it more of as like parenting in general. Like maybe she was thinking of her mom and her dad. Like, because it did seem like she was very close to her dad. Although she uh, oftentimes forgets that he's just out there in the wind. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to save you. Hold on. I've got a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> I'll get back to that whole finding my father thing. Uh, we'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to that when we can get to it. Uh, but yeah, so I was I was sort of questioning, like, when did her mommy issue start? Was that, was that more like when she was a young adult? Is she just talking about, like, the camping and stuff she did as a kid? Um, but I thought that that whole scene was really nice. I thought Ky- Kyler did a really amazing job. I felt so... Uh, I, I felt so many things for Alex in that scene because, you know, I wanted I want her to be happy. I want her as a character to be happy. And I think that having a child is something that she really wants to do. And so it, it was nice I, to see that she could be vulnerable with Kara because I think maybe in this kind of situation, like she can't be uh, that vulnerable with, say, Jean or Wen or James uh, or any of those other characters. Like Kara is that person who's not going to judge her, who's not going to you know, force anything on her. She's just going to listen to her sister and support her. And I I thought that was really nice. I, you know, I think we should all be so fortunate to have that person in our lives that can, you know, just be there when we need to cry or vent or whatever. Um, So I I thought that was a really, really nice scene. So it, I I guess Alex and Maggie are going to have some things to talk about. Yeah, not good. Maggie has no idea that this is happening. So we'll have to see how, how, how that goes down. Um, but we did get uh, some more information out of Alex there. So, um, Morgan, overall thoughts? What did you think about The Faithful? I really liked it. I thought that I, I liked that that there were themes that went through the episode. There were themes about, like, having kids and raising your kids. And there were themes about the religion. And they I liked that the way that they, they pulled them all together. And I think that they had... It was a good episode for a lot of characters. Like, even the characters who didn't really have much to do in the episode. Like, James. Sorry, Jay, Sorry, I called you Jimmy. James. James Grown <laughs> Olsen. Grown man Olsen. Uh, he had, like, a, a really nice scene with Kara. I think that was, was really interesting. And we got to learn... He talked about being a photojournalist, which was fun. Because... Remember when he did that? Yeah, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a while. <laughs> so, but uh, I think that it was a, it was a really good episode for for pulling things together and uh, and the way that they weaved all the stories uh, storylines together was really nice. Even though I I realized like now that we were like talking at the beginning of the this episode about how. Even while I was watching the episode, when, like, Space Dad and Space Granddad at the end, when, like, Space Granddad is praying, and I was like, wait, were they in this at all? <laughs> like, it just felt like they, it, like there probably was a Jean storyline that, like, ended up on the cutting room floor in this episode, but they were like, but this part at the end is great. We should keep it. <laughs> yeah, I guess they were at least uh, showing that, you know, that the, they were kind of... Uh 
adding on to the faith aspect of the episode and what was going on with the Koval situation and the Kryptonian Rao stuff. Uh, so I, it fit in there, even though I think we missed out on Jean's big secret, you know, big secret that he had. I, I know. We'll never know what it is. We won't know now. I think why I got so thrown off by that part at the end is that, like, just from, like, a TV production standpoint, I was like, they had Carl Lumbly in this episode for literally – that part (laughs) (laughs) it just felt like such a strange like we haven't seen space granddad at all he just shows up at the end of the episode i'm like "Mm, why are they paying carl lumbly for this that's that's a good gig yeah that's a sweet gig if you can get it just hanging out in the in the deo praying just chilling out that's a that's a good day of work uh that seems like an easy thing to do so, uh, so he probably he probably didn't care so much. Uh, so yeah, it it was a little weird that the uh, description had more of them seemingly. Uh, so I don't know what that's about. But uh, I I I was I was worried. Well, maybe not worried. I was concerned about this episode. I didn't know what I would think about it. And even when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is kind of making me uncomfortable. I don't know what this episode is trying to say. Um, but but overall, I thought they did a pretty good job of showing that the Children of Rao, this this cult that Thomas Coville had organized, was a twisting, was a was a bending of what the the Rao, the Kryptonian faith was. And I was glad that Kara made the distinction between that, you know, between you know what really is the faith that she knows and that she practices. And what was manipulated into being something else. So I was glad that there was a distinction there where they weren't um, trying to say that, you know, they were one and the same. So I, I was glad that that, uh, that they drew a line there. And and I I was surprised to, to see, you know, uh, Maggie Sawyer standing up for freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Like that made me happy. I was like, hey. We're recognizing that that's a thing in America. So I, I was glad to see that. So I think I was uh, better, like I, I appreciated the episode more after maybe the second viewing than I, I did the first viewing. It was a little uncomfortable the first time around, um, just because I, I don't know if they, like like the whole miracle thing. I was like, I don't really know if you've totally grasped the idea of this. Um, but I, I think they, they did a good job of... Uh, having Kara go through this situation where she sees this cult that's worshiping her and how she deals with that and how she handles it and what she does by the end of it, I, I thought was, it, it ended well. So um, so overall, I, I think they did a pretty good job and it, it sort of, um, it pushed the storylines that are coming, uh, you know, that have been progressing through the season. I think it pushed it a little further, like the, the Samantha and Ruby stuff and the Alex stuff. So uh, I think they did a good job of making all of that sort of come together at the end of the episode. Yeah, and it's like somebody who's like kind of fascinated by cults. I enjoyed it because I was like, "Ooh, this is bad!" Like, yeah, you don't want to don't don't go into a cult. Like, if somebody hands you a flyer at a <laughs> at your daughter's like soccer game, don't don't follow that flyer anywhere. Never go <laughs> with a crazy person who gives you a flyer to a second location. That's cult one hundred and one. Also, one of my favorite thirty rock quotes: "Don't follow a hippie to a second location." It's it's wisdom. It's wisdom that you can apply to so many situations, so many things. So wise, um, and yeah, like if somebody says, "Hey, in order to join this group, you're gonna have to stand in this burning building." 
maybe don't do that. Don't do that at all. If somebody's like, here's some Kool-Aid, don't drink that Kool-Aid. Don't go underneath a, a sports stadium and try to explode a Kryptonian. Uh, I don't know. What is it? Like a double-A battery? Don't do it. <laughs> it's best to maybe think those things through. Uh, you know, maybe get a second opinion. Consult a trusted confidant. Uh, someone, someone you respect. <laughs> you're, you're in a, <laughs> you're in a cult. Call your dad. <laughs> yes. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> so I, th- I think we can learn some things uh, from this episode and uh, how to uh, move forward when those uh, things are presented to us. Uh, it's, it's good to, to, to learn what to do. Uh, so uh, it was very interesting to see how Kara and and the whole gang uh, handled all of this uh, going on. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for our discussion. So let's find out what our listeners had to say about this episode uh, titled The Faithful. Okay, we got a lot of tweets about this one. Um, and I will probably be uh, butchering many Twitter names. We miss Carly. Uh, <laughs> um, at Mad About a Girl said, great episode focusing on Kara plus supportive James Returns. Um, at The Devil Jackie said, another great episode. Always love when Kara can't punch her way out of situations. My favorite moments this season are the flashbacks to Krypton. At Patty Mello 20 said, I can't even be sad for Alex because I hate the Sanvers storyline too much. P.S. I always knew Arya's dad was pure evil. Hashtag R.I.P. Pretty Little Liars. That made me laugh a lot. That is a, so that was the character on Pretty Little Liars. It was a, the, uh, her Arya's father and he was creepy in that show. Creepy in this show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at Little Hopi said, love that we got to see more of Kara's faith and also creepy cults just in time for Halloween. Pumpkin emoji, screaming emoji. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess maybe they did time it out to be a Halloween-ish episode. I mean, like you've got your cults episode. You're going to want to put that around Halloween. That just, <laughs> that just makes sense. That seems right. <laughs> um, at Israel K26 thousand are yeah there's 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 three zeros there's a lot of zeros Twenty six thousand seems right okay <laughs> let's go with that uh i love whenever they do flashbacks like in the episode alex and this episode using them as plot devices tying back yeah i, I thought they worked that in really well yeah that was well done at truffle munchies said the good kryptonian lore abound girls night and a well-placed carl lumbly cameo <laughs> <laughs> i'm still laughing about that um the bad sam is now on my list of super girl characters who i will cry with if they cry alex is closing in behind Kara on that list oh i feel like for me kyler lee is top of that list almost it's like kyler lee just starts getting misty i'm like don't you do it don't you do it to me kyler lee and and well alex as a character is uh she reminds me a lot of one of my favorite characters. Okay, this is my soap opera reference for the episode of Supergirl Radio. Soap opera corner. <laughs> um, so on All My Children, there was a character named Bianca Montgomery, who was Erica Kane's daughter. And I loved Bianca because she was like the princess of misery. <laughs> All sorts of terrible things happened to Bianca. And she would cry. Things would be terrible. Um, and she she had a lot of drama. But that's what made her such a good character. And a lot of, there were two actresses that played her. And anytime they were given uh, something really juicy to play, it was 
good acting and you really felt for her. And I think I, th- I think that Alex as a character and Kyler in her performance is a lot like that. Like I'm like, Alex right now in season three, she's like the, she's the queen of misery right now. Like she she's going through a lot of stuff, but it's given it's given Kyler a lot of good stuff to do. And I, I'm like you, like when Kyler starts breaking up, it's it's t- it's tough to watch because you're like, pull it together, pull it together. But I think for me, like, I mean, Melissa Benoist. Oh, Melissa Benoist. If she tears up, if a little, a little teeny tiny drop comes out of her eye, I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go get some tissues. She can, she can make me cry if, if, uh, if, if she gets crying. So, uh, yeah, Alex is a close second though. Um, at Chris Bundelinski said, loved all the Kryptonian references, faith, backstories, and homage to the pilot. Adored the scenes between James and Kara and Alex and Kara. Um, at Madtown Davidson said, oh, I almost scrolled past it. Um, the episode came close to conflating mental illness with religious faith in a way that made me uncomfortable. But in the end, I think they mostly pulled it off. I mean, Chad Lowe's character is clearly not well, but James still gives Carr this speech about how it's nice to have faith in things. I thought that was weird. I think that, the, so I, for me, it was, it was less religion and more like, straight up cults like don't join a cult cults are bad cults are real bad but religion is fine because i think we have we have that moment where lena says like i think it's nice that you like you know to believe in something and then we also see Kara talking about her religion james talking about his religion none of those religions involve um anything culty like they're not in the basement of somewhere giving out flyers to anybody so (laughs) i was curious about the like cult like cult characteristics so if if you're curious if you need to spot one here uh, these are just a few uh that will give uh, an organization away if they're they're culty uh cults are generally pretty secretive uh they can sometimes require members to cut off ties from the outside world or your family or your friends uh, sometimes they can involve brainwashing. Some controlling is happening there. Uh, questioning, doubt, and dissent are discouraged and sometimes even punished. Some similar elements to what was going on with the children, Ralph. Yeah, they're going to use some like really weird phrases for stuff that like is going to be incomprehensible to people who are not in the cult. So you, yeah, you saw some of that in the episode. Again, I'm very fascinated with cults. I don't know what that says about me. Well, you know, I mean, as long as you're not in one, I think you're okay. <laughs> I'm starting my own later, you guys. So <laughs> it's just me and Chad Lowe, and we're in the basement <laughs> of the rec center. <laughs> Come visit us. Make sure to send me a, a, a creepy brochure. I'm gonna send you a brochure. It's gonna just have my face on it. It's gonna be great. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yeah. No, I, I totally understand the uncomfortableness of of sort of what they were doing in the episode. But I agree with at Madtown Davidson that they mostly pulled it off. I think they they did a good enough job to firmly establish that this was a cult. That this was not normal that this was something to shy away from with also uh embracing the aspect of Kara's faith which I really appreciated it was nice to see Kara uh going back to her faith and respecting that and participating in that so I think they they balanced it 
pretty well. I, I think they did a fairly good job. It would have made me more uncomfortable, I think, if it was just it was just this cult and they were being weird and there wasn't any of the stuff with Kara's religion where you're contrasting like her her deep like Kryptonian faith and like hearing about the faith of like other characters where if it was just the cult, I think I would I would be like, Oh, I don't I don't know you guys. But I think that they they use the other religious like the they use Kara's religion to kind of offset it against that. Yeah. Um, at Kaya Matsui said, wouldn't it be great if we had like a telepathic Martian who could mind wipe this crazy guy? And then there's like a little emoji that's kind of shrugging. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the writers watched season seven of Grey's Anatomy and decided that was a great idea to recreate the Calzona breakup with Sanvers. Honestly, it's play by play until now. So I am not current with, I watched a couple seasons of Grey's Anatomy, but I am not current with it. So I assume that they, uh, that Calzona, which sounds delicious, by the way, <laughs> uh, bro- <laughs> broke up in a similar way to the way that uh, Alex and Maggie are breaking up right now. So I don't know. I've, I'm really, I'm super behind in Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, I've, I, I'm not really into doctor shows. Uh, one time I saw an episode of ER and they dropped a heart in the hospital and it like rolled around on the floor and I was like, no. So this is completely off topic and I, I feel kind of bad, but so the if you ever want to see possibly one of the funniest television clips of all time, you're going to want to look up One Tree Hill Dog Heart in Hospital or some some variation. Basically, one of this, this one evil character is like waiting for a heart transplant. There's... A, just in this hospital waiting room, there's a there's a guy with his dog, and then so they're running in with the heart transplant. The, they trip over the dog's leash. The heart just like falls out of the container and rolls. The dog walks by, picks up the heart, wanders off. <laughs> It is it, it is one of the greatest moments in television history, and everyone should watch it. <laughs> I'm not really a person to ask about uh, medical shows, but uh, it's a good point about a telepathic Martian if you wanted to uh, mind wipe uh, Tom Scoville. I feel like they're a little hit and miss about when they remember that he's telepathic. And also when he's on the episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he doesn't show up until the, the very end for like two seconds. If he, if he was in this episode telling his secret, maybe we would have seen that. <laughs> maybe that was the secret. That was exactly the secret. Well, we'll never know. At Curious One Lisa said, was the writing on Sam's face Kryptonian? Yes. Uh, it was definitely Kryptonese. Uh, and I do love Kryptonese. I love trying to translate it. Uh, but in my attempt... Oh my God, did you really try? <laughs> you know, you know I did, Morgan. You're my favorite. <laughs> you, you know I did. I, I tried to get different angles because like you can see it in the mirror a little bit, which is a little confusing because some of the symbols, some of the, uh, the alphabet letters are flipped. I don't know if it's because of the mirror or because of the way they drew them on her face. I don't know. But so some of the, the letters are backwards, um, which you wouldn't know that unless you're a super, super nerd like me who <laughs> like knows who can recognize what the letters are now <laughs> because I've translated so much Cantonese. <laughs> I basically am fluent, you guys. Um, but the the symbols on her face mean mean nothing. It's a bunch of gibberish. It, it, look, it looks like they just took the alphabet and just drew a bunch of random letters together so i as far as i could tell 
uh, it, it, it means nothing. There's no secret hidden message on Sam's face. It's just a bunch of Kryptonian letters. That's a little disappointing. It is. <laughs> My philosophy with Kryptonese is that if you're going to put Kryptonese in a comic or on the TV show, make it mean something. Make it worthwhile to people like me who, <laughs> and I'm probably like a 1% of the viewer, maybe like a 0.1%. Do it for Rebecca. Do it, do it for me. Make it worth my while. If I'm going to spend my time <laughs> trying to translate your Kryptonese, give me something. Make, 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 it, make, it, make it word. Make sure it means something. Make it mean something. Uh, so as far as I could tell, maybe somebody else could, could get something out of it, but in the, in the couple of angles that I could get, uh, I wasn't able to, to put any kind of words together. Um, at true underscore just underscore Brian said, is there any physical evidence against the cult leader? It looks like it all fell into the pit. The biggest pit is the depth of Alex's sadness. Oh, that that tweet had just like a like a hard hitting ending, <laughs> just right in the field. But I like I like the idea of there just being like a spin off somewhere that's like Law and Order National City, where they're like arguing about like what what Kryptonian explosion device. I don't see one. I just see a big hole and this totally normal cult leader right here. Well, he did go to prison, so it must have meant that he had been convicted. Of a crime. Just not enough reasonable doubt there. So the only thing I can think of is that, you know, there were two eyewitnesses to this uh, this event um, that they could probably bring in, Supergirl and Alex Danvers. And I feel like they probably could have flipped all the cult people who were like, oh, Supergirl, like, ha- like you know, bleeds just like the rest of us. Wait, am I in a cult? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like those people are probably like, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, the the idea seemed a little bit crazy. Yeah, maybe now that I could be prosecuted for criminal activity and trying to blow up a stadium, maybe maybe I'll give you information if you let me go. They all flipped on Chad Lowe, believe me. (laughs) So I don't know technically from a legal standpoint, like how they could get him in terms of sending him to prison, but... They probably could use some eyewitness testimony that would be, and there's probably, you know, physical evidence of the heat vision and and that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, and I guess we should talk about the fact that when it goes down into that pit, it, it seems to go down and hit the ship that's underwater that we've seen. Um, Do you have any quick thoughts about that, Morgan? Yeah, I was confused about that. (laughs) I didn't remember when we had seen that before. So I like, I feel like I kind of missed the context for when, when did we first see that ship? I think that was in the premiere. The premiere. We saw it at the very end of the premiere episode. That's right. Yeah. No, I'm interested in like what that's all going to be about. And it seemed like that there was some connection between that thing hitting the ship and then all the Kryptonian uh, symbols on, um, Samantha's yes Samantha very good (laughs) every time I have to think about it so hard (laughs) you're 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 practicing though it's 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 catching on you're getting better um yeah I I don't know why yeah because I mean that obviously had to have done something to jostle this dream this figure this thing that appears to Samantha in in her house uh, so, yeah, I don't know what that's all about, but I do think my speculation is that because it looked like there was another something or someone in the ship that was 
either alive or was something was in there. And I'm sort of crossing my fingers hoping it's another world killer. Ooh. So, because, you know, you and I talked with John and Wilson about the world killers and, uh, and, and their appearances and their names and things in uh, the New 52. So if you want to know more about the world killers, we covered that in the Rain Character Spotlight. Uh, so I'm hoping that we get to see another, maybe another world killer. I don't know if we'll get all of them. But it would be cool to see another one show up. But but something is happening in that ship. So I, I can't wait to see what's uh, what more happens with that. Oh, yeah. That makes me really excited about it now, too. Um, at Matt Roja said, Lena doesn't like tequila. I bet there's a big story behind that. And the hole in the Catco elevator wasn't addressed. Hashtag elevator gate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorite things. The the comicer girl like little drawing of Kara with like the boards under her arm and like the little like <laughs> the toolbox it just makes me laugh so much whenever I see it. Yes, if you haven't seen the art that explains <laughs> uh, <laughs> that expands on that, that maybe Kara went and fixed the elevator that she she crashed through. Uh, hit up at Comicer Girl on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, she was kind enough to fill in the blanks for us, <laughs> so it was very cute. Uh, very Supergirl to take that upon herself to go fix that. So maybe that's what Kara did on the show. Maybe she did. Maybe she fixed it really quickly. We don't know. Uh, but it did seem to go unaddressed. <laughs> uh, so we'll just have to assume that Catco just, you know, so they sent somebody up from properties. They got it fixed. Uh, somebody in the elevator was like, uh, it's drafty in here. <laughs> somebody got in that elevator and looked straight up right into the sky and was like, ha. <laughs> huh. <laughs> Someone needs to fix this. They probably, uh, you know, filled out a, a ticket to have somebody come and uh, fix it. So we'll have we'll have to see if that ever uh, comes up into play again. But probably not. Is my guess. Uh, they they've already fixed it and moved on. Uh, well, I think this is going to do it for all of our tweets, but we have some emails, and we have an email from Gina who writes, quote, I will have to say, while I have loved the season so far, the faithful definitely put faith back into the show as a whole. I think a lot of us were just uh, lost in season two, and I'm not talking about plot-wise. What was the show trying to say about Kara last season? But this episode put everything in the first two episodes into place. And who knew it would take a crazy cult leader to do so? <laughs> Religion is such a sensitive subject, but when you place it into a comic book setting, it doesn't seem as upfront. It really showed Kara's Kryptonian ways and beliefs that I think they should use more often on the show since Clark never really experienced it. I felt like this episode managed to push characters forward without losing sight of Kara and her journey. While I enjoyed last week's episode, I didn't really like pushing her to the side of things, even if she did make a big difference in the end. They pushed Kara off to the side enough last season. I want as much Kara as possible. And her saying she remembers everyone she saved... So good and so Kara, unquote. Yeah, I think uh, this season has done a really good job of really putting the emphasis back on Kara in the show and, and making everything sort of tie back into Kara as a character. And I think that's why I'm enjoying it so much, maybe more so than season two, because I, I felt like Kara did get a little bit lost in season two. Yeah, I felt like her storyline kind of took a backseat a lot of the times in season two, even though she was like, physically in the show a lot and she was contributing a lot to the plot it didn't feel like a lot of the plot was about her all, all the time so i feel like that's this season feels a lot more about kara than last season did it's like the show is called supergirl it's almost like it's about supergirl <laughs> it's crazy 
Um, we also have an email from Alex Shea who writes, in my opinion, the best episode of the season. I can't say it enough. Supergirl is at its best when it's about Kara being Supergirl. <laughs> um, <laughs> hmm, jinx. Uh, but I did not like that Chadlow's character took one look at Kara's eyes and knew she was Supergirl, but Lena hasn't figured it out yet. Um, also, I liked Kara's personal conversation with James. I missed her personal moments with James and Wynn from season one. Hope this will become a regular part of season three. James James's explanation of why some people consider Supergirl an entity was very logical. All all were in a life-threatening situation. They began to pray, and Supergirl showed up. As James put it, she was a miracle to them. Was she, though? Well, I mean, she's all over the place, so... <laughs> Um, we had a Guardian mentioned tonight, but no scene with Guardian. I think the last time we actually saw Guardian was the third or fourth final episode of last season, which coincidentally was the last time we saw Lyra. Remember her? Wynn's girlfriend? The last time we saw her was when she was officially made a member of Team Guardian. I swear, being attached to the Guardian character is like being a red shirt on Star Trek. They have not mentioned Lyra. I, I assume that Wynn and Lyra are still together. We haven't heard that they have split up so I'm, I'm just gonna assume that they're still together off screen and i had to go look it up uh i think the last time we saw james's guardian was in episode 21 of season two uh called resist and that that was uh famously in the in the scene when cat sees right through the guardian suit and knows that it's james uh because she would cat <laughs> would definitely know that um uh, so i think that's the last time we've seen james as guardian we have not seen guardian uh and even though i complained a lot about guardian last season i'm you know i think i think it's okay i mean we can see him a little bit but it's nice to see james as as james it's been very refreshing yeah i, I i'm enjoying seeing james as like james basically i i, I don't yeah, obviously we didn't love the Guardian stuff, so I'm like, eh, it's fine. But they, I feel like they're they're they don't really want to get into the Guardian stuff because they know it didn't really work last season. But it's not like they can be like, oh, well, never mind about that superhero thing. So they have to throw out little lines like, mm, "There's no crime tonight." <laughs> <laughs> there is no crime at all in the city. Zero crime. You guys want to hang out in a in a dingy basement and join a cult? <laughs> That's why James needed that Guardian hobby, okay? <laughs> He's joining all kinds of cults in season one. We just never knew. He needed an alternative, <laughs> something to keep him busy. Uh, that's a great point. Uh, well, we have an email from another Alex, Alex G, who writes, quote, I really enjoyed this episode. I like how they approach the freedom of religion and the different sides of it. Like how different groups can worship the same God, in this case, Rao, and yet have different point of views on how to worship. On one hand, they show that religion can be a good thing. It can be a community of good people and something that brings peace to your soul that gives you hope and strength. But also it can be twisted and used for bad things and cause harm. So I liked that. Girls' Night was probably my favorite moment of the episode, even if it was short. I love seeing female friendships on TV. I hope we get more of those moments in the future. And Ruby is the luckiest girl. She has a lot of cool aunts. Uh, well, let's ignore the fact that her mom is a world killer and will be the nemesis of her ner nerdy cool aunt. But for now, she's the luckiest. And Alex goes on to say, and I'm aware that this might be an unpopular opinion, but I think that Sanford's breaking up because one wants kids and the other doesn't 
is a very realistic and valid reason. Not wanting kids is as legit as wanting them, and no one should be blamed for those personal desires. I mean, they have to write Maggie off somehow, right? And I prefer this over someone cheating, dying, or moving away, or having an off-screen relationship. So good for them for coming up with that, unquote. And I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion. I think, Morgan, we talked about that last uh, last week, that I, I think that's a the best that they can do with that. Yeah, they're, it's, they're, they're making the best. I, I do really feel like they're making, the writers are making the best of a bad situation, which is that, you know, they, they don't, they're not going to have Floriana Lima, so they have to, they have to, sh- like, account for Maggie's absence somehow. And this sort of makes the most sense without, like, yeah, being something very overdramatic. Um, our last email comes from Sam, who writes, I honestly thought that Thomas Coville was genuine and had real faith. He didn't come across as one of those sleazy cult leaders who just wanted a bunch of women under his control that he could sleep with or who was all about power, control, and ego. He may have been wrong or, and misguided in his recruitment methods, but I still think he was a true believer. I also think it's interesting to consider the meaning uh, of the word God, um, a lot of old religions, as well as some still practicing ones, worship prayed to a pantheon of gods, such as the Norse or Greek gods. The modern definition of God seems to be a singular, all-powerful entity above all, but that wasn't always the case. Once upon a time, a god was merely a higher power you could pray to. The Norse gods, such as Odin and Thor, could even die, yet they were still worshipped. Supergirl may not be all-powerful or all-knowing, but there is a strong argument to be made that she is a higher power. With her super hearing, she can even hear people's prayers, in parentheses, cries for help. I think it was interesting the way Thomas Coville constructed his religious worldview in regard to Supergirl. He didn't see her as an infallible, all-knowing being, yet still regarded her as divine, perhaps as an instrument or messenger of Rao. Also, who could definitely say he was wrong? God's work in mysterious ways. Perhaps Supergirl is working Rao's will, being guided by Rao without knowing it. I would have liked one character to have had an atheistic point of view in the episode simply for the sake of debate slash discussion. Also, many religions start in one location and spread throughout the world. Why can't religion travel between worlds? Is there any reason humans shouldn't be able to worship slash pray to Rao? Is Rao an exclusively Kryptonian deity? This was never addressed, discussed in the episode. Supergirl seems to feel that Rao belonged to her and possibly Clark, but not humanity. Yeah, there's a lot of good questions in there. Uh, I think that Kara's problem with the Rao thing wasn't necessarily that she didn't want people to worship Rao. I think she was just frustrated that Rao's message, according to her, was was not being communicated correctly, that it was being twisted and made into something that it was not supposed to be. So I think that that's that was her problem with it. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of good questions in there about, you know, why don't people on Mars worship Rao and, and they, they worship Hronmir. So I think there's a, some, some very interesting questions about how that works in terms of uh, being able to travel, you know, have those shared uh, experiences between worlds and, and, and that kind of thing. So uh, a lot of good points there. Well, and uh, before we wrap up our feedback, we have some snap judgments from a listener named Fanny. So Fanny, thank you for sending these in. So so we've got a couple of these. Morgan, you ready to go? I'm so ready. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. 
first instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. First one is, how would you like Lena to find out Kara is Supergirl? Uh, so here are your choices. She reviews the elevator footage and confronts Kara about it. Or Kara has to reveal herself either by coming into contact with Kryptonite in front of Lena and Lena has to save her life. So what's it What's it going to be? Uh, elevator footage or uh, Lena having to save Kara's life? Hmm. I'm going to go with elevator footage. I'm also going to go elevator footage. Nice. So the second one is, which villain would you like to see come back and help Supergirl against a big threat? So this is, uh, which villain would you like to uh, see be an ally to Supergirl? So your two options are Psy or Livewire. Livewire. Like, I didn't even have to think about that. Livewire. (sighs) (laughs) It's a tough one. I'm going to go sigh. I'm going to go sigh on this one. Whoa. I know. I know. This is shaking me to my very core. (laughs) I know. I know. It's it's been firmly established. I'm a big fan of Livewire. So uh, just everyone's mouth is agape, I'm sure. Uh, And our last snap judgment is, uh, who would you like to see interact more with Ruby and becoming like a big sister? Uh, Alex or Kara? Hmm. Alex. I, 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 okay, I'm going to go Alex. I, I, that's a, that's a really tough one, but I guess I would say Alex. It's a really tough one. No judgments on your snap judgments. Some really hardcore snap judgments. Really? Yeah. Great job, Fanny, because really this, like, I'm, I'm looking at Rebecca in a completely different way now. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's tough. It's tough. Sometimes you get, you got to choose, you got to pick one. And I thought since this came up with our snap judgments, uh, we got a tweet about this and I thought I would share it because I thought it was cool speculation. Uh, A user named at as great as Nate uh, asked this question. uh, What are the chances Alex takes in slash adopts Ruby by the end of the season? Whoa. I, I, oh my God. That makes a lot of sense. I think, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do, but I think it's possible. Yeah. I mean, it's, very plausible, it feels like. Very plausible. Yeah, I think uh, they established that, you know, uh, Alex had that sort of meet-cute with Ruby in the in the first episode. And uh, she asks, uh, Alex asks Samantha about Ruby. Uh, she goes to see Ruby's um, musical performance when she's singing at the, the play. And that's when she has her big re- uh, revelation about, you know, being a mother. So I think that that's possible. And if Rain slash Samantha... Uh, Morgan, her name is Samantha. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Samantha. <laughs> if Samantha maybe doesn't make it out at the end of the season, uh, Ruby may need someone to take her in. So I think, you know what? I'm going to put that out there. Just want to want to make sure that we documented that because that's a pretty good speculation, I think. Uh, so good call, as great as Nate. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Well, uh, that's going to do it for our thoughts and all of the feedback on this episode uh, called The Faithful. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can always post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can leave us a voicemail by calling 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can find us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. We have a playlist on Spotify, so check that out. I did add Hallelujah 
Hallelujah, <laughs> Every, no. everybody's favorite sad song to the playlist. So you definitely should check that out. So if you need a good cry, just like put that on. <laughs> um, we are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash DC dash fans. And we are also available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. Big thanks to uh, Gator Gordot. I don't know if I said that right. Uh, that seems right. A, a, a user named Gator Gordot, maybe Gordo, maybe it's like Gal Gadot, <laughs> uh, uh, for uh, leaving us an iTunes review. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, and if you are like, I'm overwhelmed by everything you just mentioned, you can just go to supergirlradio.com and you can find all of these links on the right side of our page. Supergirl Radio is also part of the DC TV podcast. Yeah, DC. <laughs> oh, God, it's bad already. Uh, Supergirl Radio even is part of the DC TV podcast network. So if you like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, classic DC TV shows, and the upcoming Black Lightning, Krypton, and Titan shows, you can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on iTunes and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. That was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a rough start, but I think you I think you recovered. I think I stuck the landing. <laughs> yeah, you stuck the landing. <laughs> Worked out in the end. Uh, well, if you would like to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. Uh, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. I'm taking a little bit of a Twitter hiatus at the moment because I'm trying to uh, go underground before Justice League <laughs> comes out. Way underground. I don't want to be spoiled. I don't want to read reviews. I'm I'm going off the grid from Twitter just to go and go in fresh, uh, which is tough because it's like a couple of weeks away. But I'm I'm trying I'm trying. Uh, but you can also follow me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. That's T H E D E R B Y K I D. I'm still posting some pictures over there. You can also see videos of mine over at YouTube.com/slash/DuckMilkProd. That's D U C K M I L K P R O D. Uh, I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast, uh, which you can find over at jluniverse.podomatic.com. We're still uh, going through Wonder Woman, and we'll also be uh, going through uh, Justice League when it comes out. Uh, so uh, definitely go check out JLU Podcast. And I just want to throw this out there. Uh, I signed up to do a 5K in February, so it's a little far out there a couple of months from now. Um, but I'm raising money for an organization called Atlanta Mission, which is an organization that I care very deeply about. I think they're doing some great work in the city of Atlanta to try to um, support and rehabilitate the, the homeless population in Atlanta. So if you want to help me raise money for them, you can do that by visiting uh, my fundraising page, which is atlantamission5k.itsyourrace. That's I-T-S-Y-O-U-R race.com slash donate slash derby kid um that's uh, a really long url but i tried to try to squeeze it down as much as i could um i hate asking for money but if you want to contribute to that uh you can it's a really cool thing they they, they tell you that 25 dollars a day can um, provide uh, a day and night of warm safe shelter with nutritious meals clothing job attainment services counseling and the opportunity to choose help for a homeless man woman or child um so it doesn't take a lot of money uh to to you know provide for these people who need some help so i just wanted to put that out there in case you wanted to contribute to that that's so great yeah i really like what atlanta mission does they they, they have a, a great way of addressing the issue because in uh, in atlanta it is it is very much an issue so uh, i'm glad that they are 
around so that they can help those people out. Um, and you can find me at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C um, on Twitter and Instagram. And oh, I'm not really I uh I'm not really doing much of anything right now. <laughs> I'm just kind of chilling. I'm just kind of just letting life pass me by. Uh, not much coming up on Buddy TV, uh, but you can also check me out um, as a co-host of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which you should watch, but I mean, if you're not going to, you can also just listen to the podcast. It's good times. Our, um, we're a little bit uh, our schedule's a little bit wonky this season so far because uh, one of our co-hosts, Amy, is actually doing a play uh, locally in her area, which is really exciting for her. But it means that our 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 episodes are now excitingly random. So <laughs> subscribe to the podcast. The episode's going to pop up someday, and that's <laughs> going to be fun for you. It's going to be like a little a little surprise. It'll just pop up on your your screen on your phone. You'll be like, oh hey, it's the new episode. We like to mix it up. We like to keep you on your toes. It fits uh, <laughs> the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Fairly well, I think. I think that goes with with, with how with how you guys operate. I, I think that fits. It's our general vibe, basically. <laughs> so so no one seems all that upset about it. Like our listeners are just like, yeah, no, this seems right. <laughs> that's awesome for Amy, though. She'll she'll kill it. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure she she's gonna be great in that. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Well, I you know I definitely listen, so I'll be very very much anxiously awaiting the new episodes whenever they whenever they come into my feed. Oh, whenever they happen to show up. Well, that's awesome. Well, uh, that's going to do it for everything that we have to talk about in regards to the episode The Faithful. But if you want to hang out for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And just so everyone is clear, we don't worship Supergirl, but we are inspired by her. So this is what your revenge looks like. Whoever was responsible for this, they deserve to die. No trial, no jury. Just erased from the world. Now that's disappointing. You wanted to be a hero so bad. Now people are gonna die. Supergirl, all new episode Monday at 8, 7 central on The CW. And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Damage. The official description reads, well, this is a long one, Morgan, so hold tight. Oh, boy. Uh, it reads, quote, when multiple children get sick from lead poisoning, Morgan Edge points the finger at Lena and blames her creation of the lead bomb she made to save National City from the Daxamites. While Lena knows she never intended any harm, she fears there may have been a flaw in her design, <laughs> leaving her responsible. 
Kara teams up with Samantha to clear Lena's name, but it turns out to be harder than they thought. Meanwhile, Alex and Maggie make a crucial decision about the future of their relationship. Unquote. You missed that John tells a secret. Yes, maybe, maybe he's got another secret happening. Every week now, we should just add in, and John has a secret. <laughs> <laughs> but he but he never tells it. <laughs> it's a secret, Morgan. He, he can't tell it. Um, I, I, I think that that's almost got to be like a fortune cookie where like, you know, you, you read the fortune, like whatever the fortune is, you read it and then add and John confesses a secret at the end. <laughs> John confesses a secret. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll have to see what Jean's confession is next week. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, what's what's sticking out to you with this extremely, extremely long description that basically told us everything that was happening in the episode? What are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to tell you what I thought about the episode because I've watched it now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, who knew that dropping a bunch of lead on people was going to have any adverse health effects? (laughs) I can't (laughs) imagine how that could have gone wrong. (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) Who knew? Really? I mean, lead seems so healthy for you. Um, I'm I'm excited for more Morgan Edge because obviously the... uh, I got to support my fellow Morgans, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it sounds like it's going to be a good uh, Lena episode, like a good Lena and Kara episode. Um, so I think that'll be fun. It sounds like some Samantha, whose name I definitely know, is, <laughs> is going to be more in the mix next week and kind of like helping out and not just having, um, you know, Ruby centered plot lines, which I think is going to kind of help us know more about her besides the fact that she's a single mother, which I think is going to be good for kind of like, like bonding with that character a little bit more and learning more about her. And then obviously the Alex and Maggie stuff is going to be terrible and it's uh, heartbreaking and it's just going to, just going to be emotionally devastating. So I'm looking forward to that as long as they don't play hallelujah. (laughs) I might be able to be okay getting through that. Yeah. uh, It's going to be a disaster and everyone is going to be an emotional wreck. But we're really looking forward to it. But it's going to be great. It's going to be great. They're not They're not going to play Hallelujah. And I'm going to make it through. I'm making through that episode somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm excited <laughs> about uh, a Lena-centric episode. That's very exciting. Uh, but I did, I did laugh at how uh, in the description it's like, well, maybe there was a flaw in the design. <laughs> the, how, how could there possibly be there a flaw in, in the design of just dropping a bunch of lead over a whole city? I can't. Well, I guess they didn't have time to test that. Maybe they didn't really have time to work out the kinks and all the bugs. <laughs> like, maybe the flaw was the entire idea itself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that, that's in the past. It's in the past. We've moved past it. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> next week should be very interesting. Um, I'm curious to see how the Kara Samantha stuff works out. Cause I think that could be, uh, very telling in terms of Samantha's future. Like how is that dynamic going to go? I'm very interested in that. Uh, but yeah, this should be, uh, an emotional wreck of an episode <laughs> and, uh, maybe we'll get some good Morgan edge and Lena loser stuff. So that's all very exciting. Well, I think that's going to do it for our spoiler section. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.